to Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. Super excited to have one of our most exciting uh, customer CEOs on Cloud and Clear this week. So, uh, Kurt, formally welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. Really appreciate it, man. Kurt Donald is the president and CEO of Freestar, um, really one of the companies breaking new ground in a lot of ways in, uh, in ad tech. And actually, I want to learn more uh, about that in our podcast. One of the benefits of doing this is I, I tend to learn a lot about the industry and, and, and uh, even more about our clients than I, than I already know. So one of the things that early on caught my eye as we were engaged with you as an organization was I saw that, you know, number one on the Inc. 500 list. That blew me yeah. away. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing honor to get last year. Um, I joined the company last January, and last August we were crowned the fastest growing company in the country. It was a pretty unbelievable thing to kind of walk into. <laughs> They'd done most of the hard work before I got there. It was a three-year revenue growth that happened through uh, 2018, so I'm just here not to screw it up. <laughs> it's a good, good recruitment strategy is winning those accolades ahead of bringing on a new CEO, right? <laughs> yes, it's been fantastic. I was here when we got the award, but uh, yeah, they did the work before I got there. <laughs> you know, we've been on the 5,000 list uh, many, many years, so I know how difficult even cracking the top 500 is, let alone being number one. So congratulations to you and the team. Uh, thanks so much. I mean, it really is just a testament to the team that we built and the hard work they put in every single day to keep things moving in the right direction. And you know, thankfully, 2019 was another really solid growth year for us as well. Tell me a little about uh, Kurt, the man, the career, the trajectory that led you to this role. Um, I really like to, to learn a little more about your background. Sure. Um, long and winding road, like most people. Uh, started out my career as an M&A attorney at large law firms, um, pretty quickly realized that was not my calling in life. I think it was probably day three at a law firm. I was like, what have I done? Uh, <laughs> but did that for a number of years. And, you know, in hindsight, very grateful I had the chance to do that. Um, working in law firms, you get the chance to see a lot of businesses and help them solve some problems. M&A particularly, you're doing a lot of diligence. You get to dig in on different business models, get to meet the leaders of different companies and kind of learn good, bad, and ugly, some of the things that they've done well or, or not so well. and sort of live vicariously through those. So in hindsight, very grateful I had the chance to do that. Also had uh, great mentors along the way, which is good, but still was not my, uh, not my place long-term. So I had the chance to go in-house at a digital media company, I guess about eight years ago now, um, at a company called She Knows Media that was primarily female-focused websites owned and operated. And there was also sort of a network of partner sites that we helped monetize from a direct sales standpoint. Doing that company as general counsel when it was actually getting spun out of another company, sort of a long story there, but was kind of the first member of a new management team, was general counsel for a couple months and then took over the business development team, um, grew the network of sites. We represented our O&O and represented from about 35 million uniques to 90 million uniques over the course of a couple of years. So pretty pretty big scale there. Um, yeah. Also ran our audience development team, folks are growing our own and operated properties in corporate development. Uh, we did a decent amount of M&A, brought on uh, some interesting companies, one of which was BlogHer, which is the largest network of female content creators. So um, that came with an events business too. So we got to see a whole lot of different pieces of sort of media and advertising and all those all tied together, sort of cross-platform. So did that for three or four years. I was ready for a change and I had actually just met the Freestar guys. This is three and a half or four years ago. Um, and so they're ultimately, and it'll be this weekend where I was debating, do I go to Freestar, which is this 
kind of crazy startup, but I really believed in the way that they were tackling the monetization problem. Or do I actually help go take a yoga company public? And yeah. ultimately decided to go do the IPO. It sounded, sounded fun. I'd never done an IPO from the company side. So did that, um, general counsel and ran corporate development there for a couple of years and got to learn the joys of running a, a small public company, which comes with a certain amount of challenges as well. And then um, kind of reconnected with the Freestar guys a couple of years ago and jumped on board and it's just been a rocket ship ever since. So that's the personal story. The Freestar business model not sure. only, you know, number one, I think 5,000, et cetera, but I tend to follow our key customers sort of in their uh, social profile and things of that nature. And, you know, you as an organization seem to be still doing quite well, especially through these very tough times. You're hiring. I love the way you promote your people um, on LinkedIn, just like I promote mine. It just sort of uh, the culture alignment seems to be with how I think about leading a company. By the way, that's pause and also recognize the fact that the path from like uh, legal counsel to business development to CEO is not very common. <laughs> I don't hear too many of those stories. So I don't know it's how you that. Like most lawyers probably would never want to run a company. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a unique set of talent and skill and desire that that, that path is pr- pretty, pretty remarkable. But you must have seen something truly special in Freestar when you joined. And I just want to know really kind of uh, what that is from your view. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll pause for a second just on the business model. We essentially help publishers monetize their website as a managed service. Uh, most publishers are pretty good on the content side of things, the audience development side. They often aren't as good on the ad technology side. And as advertising has shifted from being kind of salesman to agency relationship where there's a contract that's physically signed and then the ads are emailed over and then traffic to more real-time uh, bidding, through something that really got free start start, which was header bidding that unifies an auction for an, every ad in milliseconds. Essentially, when somebody shows up to a website based on the cookies and some other signals, there's an auction that happens um, among any number of bidders, depending on the setup, that really determines who's willing to pay the most for that person at that time. And that varies over, over time. Uh, for instance, if somebody was just on Amazon, put something in their cart, abandon their cart without checking out. They're very valuable to Amazon right then. And Amazon wants to advertise, get them to come back and check out. The moment they check out, less valuable to Amazon, but maybe valuable to Toyota if they had been configuring a cart on their website. So this happens um, and we do that, you know, tens of billions of times a month on behalf of our publishers where we take care of that auction. Um, We're really kind of the pipes that make the advertisers go, um, the advertising bids then show up as ads on the publisher site. And then we take care of a variety of things, provide them a unified reporting dashboards. So they can aggregate all their, their revenue from a variety of sources, which they were historically logging into, you know, 10, 15 different dashboards a day to get their numbers. Um, we've got dedicated yield management and account management, which I'll talk to here in a little bit. And then we also take care of um, the accounts receivable side of things and then just cut them a single check at the end of the month. So it really is kind of taking away the headaches on the monetization side of the business. So if you're a publisher and you own, a, you know, one property or 100 you really don't have to worry about all the, how the sausage is made and the complexity of managing all those interfaces. Um, it just yep, and, and like, can you manage all this for me? Yep, and we really focus on kind of building the ideal ad stack for every publisher. Um, we've got relationships with I don't know, 40 or 50 different demand sources, but we want to make sure what's the right mix for each publisher. And then there's more complexity of what happens on the server side versus the browser side and a variety of nuances to that, sort of what's the right mix in each place. And so, as you can imagine, fairly complex changes over time, and that's where our expertise in the team 
um, that I'm really the most proud of is the talent we have on our team. That's where they shine and they optimize the revenue on the publisher's behalf. So they really can go focus on the thing that they tend to be best at, which is the content. Would you describe the IP and not, not necessarily IP in the legal sense, but is the IP yeah. really around uh, the way you're delivering this, this service plus the technology or the technology on its own as well as like, that's, that's something really unique going on there with how you manage bidding and billing and collections and all that. Like what's the secret sauce or is it the whole thing in aggregate? Sure. Um, it's a combination. It really is a combination of the whole thing in aggregate. Um, we certainly have elements of technology that are proprietary and put additional pressure on the auction in the publisher's favor. Um, one of our three core values is publisher first and truly in every single thing we do, we put the publisher first. Um, it's a revenue share model. So we only win when they win. We're very much aligned and on the same side of the table. So there's that. Um, so the technology is fantastic. We're doing everything we can to drive the auction up that way. Our customer base is really mid-sized to enterprise publishers. So uh, another element that I think differentiates a little bit is very custom solutions, very white glove, tailored to their specific needs versus a slightly more cookie cutter approach where it's sort of, you know, install our WordPress plugin and everything will kind of work. So it's a little bit different approach. There's some fantastic companies in this space, honestly, that work with thousands of sites. We work with hundreds of sites and take a little mm -hmm. more kind of bespoke approach to it. Um, so I think it's the combination of our technology and then how we're able to tailor that for these, these large publishers. Yeah, no, the technology that's driving this, uh, especially sort of sub-second decision-making, response times, bidding, logging, reporting, uh, in the last like five to 10 years, that's, you know, the change there is, is quite remarkable. Um, you know, if you're, if you're just a traditional agency, I think, you know, the world's kind of turned upside down from that standpoint. It's also put the power in the hands of the publishers to, to the extent that content's really important, good content is king. And if you're able to, to drive that, there's, uh, there are mechanisms and companies like Freestar that can support that vision. So you can focus on executing what you do really well and then have somebody else, you know, actually will worry about maximizing the, the value and the monetization of, of the business. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in running any business. You should find the things that you can be truly world-class at and go get the best at those. And if it's not something that's really a true differentiator for you, or it's going to be your core competency, there probably is another company that's going to make that their core competency and focus all the resources on that. And those are good opportunities to go partner with somebody. Right. Um, you know, monetization, it seems like it would be core to a lot of publishing businesses, but it's just not really where they've excelled or put their resources. Um, I mean, there's just not many companies that have dedicated ad tech engineers. It just doesn't exist outside of maybe the Comscore top, you know, 20, 30, 40, something like that. So it's often um, a very smart ad ops team internally, but they don't have the resources to go get things done. So we always or often talk about ourselves as an extension of their team. It's very smart people all over the place, but they can't get enough done or don't have the ability to test things because you got to go get the agreement through legal and then we got to go through the engineering to test it. That's maybe a half a percent increase in revenue. Most publishers aren't going to go through that effort you know, across billions and billions of impressions every month, half a percent matters. And so we go test kind of every little thing and are always iterating and trying to get better. So much of commerce these days, or just how money moves around is based on uh, the, the influence created by the work that you do <laughs> mm -hmm. um, in, in matching, you know, buyers and potential buyers with what they want in that given moment. Um, or they might want sometime soon, right? Sometimes it's a long, you know, um, it's a uh, it's a long process with multiple touch points and, 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 a, and a 
complex and interwoven way that drives consumer behavior. But, you know, I think we talk about how the current environment is completely changing many, many industries, probably forever. Mm -hmm. At the very least, it's exposing and bringing to light all the inefficiencies, deficiencies, um, uh, I guess, uh, insufficient business models, all those things. It's bringing all those things mm -hmm. to the surface. Like you can't hide from a global pandemic. You can't hide from an economic downturn. Like all that stuff, stuff comes to light. So how do, how do you think both, you know, I'd like to hear what you've seen already in the short term. Sure. What do you expect midterm and long term for for Freestar in the context of the new world, like it's really in a in a in a broader conversation of digital transformation and the fourth industrial revolution, which a lot of industry uh, leaders thought they had they had forever to solve. Yeah, sure. now it's proven that they actually don't have to solve now, or or risk being irrelevant. What are you seeing from your side? Because I think the data that you're seeing across your customers and across your uh, publishers and all those properties tells probably a very interesting story. Sure. Um, obviously, advertising, we've seen a dip. Just there's certain categories that are pulled out of the market altogether. Short term, like travel. I mean, <laughs> travel's not advertising right now because you can't travel. And there's certain other categories we've actually seen increasing. Um, E-commerce has started advertising more. And it's slightly different e-commerce. Amazon and Walmart started advertising a little bit less for a period of time because everybody's already going to Amazon and Walmart to go buy things online. But Target popped up and started advertising a little bit more. And DTC mm. brands started advertising a little bit more. Um, we've started to see certain things come back into the market, even in the travel sector, like um, car rentals have started advertising again because they realize mm. people aren't flying this summer. Mm. But people in urban areas are now starting to want to get out of the cities and go to the national parks or whatever it may be. And so this, it's been interesting to see how little pockets are coming back right now. Um, I was reading something earlier today that actually general travel is starting to make a return, which is great. Um, I think we had a lot of industries that were pausing for a moment because they had to retool. And like the auto manufacturers, for instance. I think, I think RV rentals are going to be hot for a while. <laughs> yes, I think, I mean, truly, we've seen that pop up. I, I will admit, I've been looking for one, too. I'm like convincing my wife, <laughs> it's finally our time, get an RV and go to Yellowstone. Our, our, our COO <laughs> was uh, saying, I want to plan this trip, but I'm thinking yes. of like, we do this, we do that, and where will we stay? And then uh, right the, I was like, just get an RV. It's like three yep. kids, perfect. <laughs> yeah, literally, I've been on my wife about this for like two weeks. I'm like, we're finally doing it. We're doing this this summer. <laughs> I don't have her quite convinced, but um, yeah. I'm persistent for sure. Probably but, renting one before you buy one. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. I probably don't need to be an RV owner. Um, but we've seen different categories of things um, come into the market. So I think that fundamentally the categories that get advertised will change as businesses change. I think there's a lot of things that people have had to change a routine on now, like ordering toilet paper online. I don't think many people probably did that beforehand. Yeah. A lot of people are doing it now. Some portion of those people will keep ordering toilet paper online. And even yeah. grocery, like pre-ordering and picking up groceries. I live in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. For better or worse, it's easy to get around, and we had not gotten into grocery delivery here. We lived in New York City and did it there, but um, here you just don't do that much. But now that we've got kind of our cart set and we're ordering ahead and you're picking it up, it's amazing. It takes you five minutes versus wandering around for an hour and probably forgetting things. So, yeah. I mean, that's a fundamental change in my life that I know yeah. will continue, and I think we're going to see so that. consumer behavior towards digital transformation is being you know fast-tracked. People who never thought they would Completely. order groceries online – who enjoyed the experience of like browsing the aisles and like touching the apples and the tomatoes yeah. and like 
once they've actually my, my wife and I have had this debate forever. It's like I have to go shopping. I'm like just like yeah. the cart, and I right. work in tech. It's so natural for me. Like I can't sure. pick a better apple than the next apple. Like just get it from it. It's like no, but like now we're doing it, and people are realizing it's just like remote work. Many people are like oh remote work not for us. Can't do it. Then you're sure. forced to do it, and then are actually productive, and maybe even more productive at in certain instances. And you're like, huh. Yeah. Maybe we can. So those are the kind of things behaviorally for consumers that could change for, for a very long time. And I think there's a lot of industries that never would have thought of themselves as needing to be digital, like a fine dining restaurant that all of a sudden can't have patrons. You know, now they're making the martini kit to go and the pork chops are you to do is serum when you get home. And they're figuring out a way to stay alive. And, you know, that'll probably stick around. And I think delivery in general will be it's interesting how much money has obviously gone into that space between DoorDashes and various other companies, but how much money they're also losing. There's a great article about pizza arbitrage um, the other day. Oh, yeah. to read it. Did you read that one? It was pretty fantastic about how the restaurant pizza. owner could make more money by ordering it via DoorDash to himself. It was great. Maybe it wasn't DoorDash. It was crazy. One of the companies don't mean to throw them under the bus, but yeah. pretty unbelievable. But I do think it's going to advance those things and even the user experience of that I, last weekend i was trying to order food in two different restaurants i was trying to buy something but there was like a glitch in the system so i couldn't buy the special and i think it's just going to push a lot of those user experiences forward to be a little bit better for things or maybe luxuries before they become more part of regular life mm -hmm. i think to the extent that more commerce in general is happening online whether it's mobile or or, or web that probably plays right into the hands of the total addressable market for Freestart, isn't it? For sure. I mean, the digital advertising market's obviously been growing like crazy and is majority of spend right now. And what we do, which is the programmatic advertising, that computer-to-computer -computer kind of real-time bidding is becoming the majority of the market as well. Um, so all this certainly helps us. And the more dollars flowing into this, the better. It also, I think, will be the quickest element of advertising to recover because it's so easy to turn on and off. There's very clear attribution or much more, maybe not very clear, but much more clear attribution on digital than there are on, is on TV or billboards, certainly. And so the fact that it's, you know, turn on and off, not long-term commitments and there's attribution, make it a really good medium to come test in and you can change your messaging very easily. Yeah, sounds, it's just like, I mean, just like cloud in general, right? Turn on, pay for what you use, turn off. Yeah. Um, all those kind of things. Okay, thank you. Honey. And you guys have you guys have certainly been a good partner of ours on on that front. I Sorry, Kurt, my, my daughter doesn't know what that I'm doing a podcast. Thank you. She brought me yogurt <laughs> and blue and uh, blackberries. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I had, uh, a fake sandwich delivered to me earlier today too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 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 the growth of digital advertising again. We're seeing it for decades, certainly last five years, it's it's going to only accelerate. Um, so what do you think, like, how many employees do you have now, if you don't mind disclosing, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we just just hit 55 this past week. Um, you know, we've been wow. in a good spot where we've been growing really quickly and the company's bootstrapped and have been very profitable over time. So we've been, you know, lucky to be able to keep hiring throughout this. There's been just some amazing talent that's available and looking to make a change to find some place a little more steady. So. I think we've added about 10 people over the course of the last six or eight weeks, which has been fantastic. That's what I've been seeing. I've been, and what, <laughs> yes. What's remarkable is in your, your type of business model, like how much you can do with 55 people. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's a very like scalable business. You know, people on the ground, that kind of yeah. stuff. And 
we're like, wow, yeah, uh, 55 people in in, uh, in 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 digital advertising and ad tech is like a different ratio of person to it, impact. It is. I mean, a lot of the hiring we've done have been the very customer uh, facing folks. You know, when I got here, we had a relatively small account management team and yield management team, and something I just really believe in personally is customer service is as important as your technology. Um, I think the technology is sort of the table stakes in any tech business at this point in time. And it's that service you layer on top of it, being that true partner for somebody that they can really rely on. And so we've doubled down quite a bit on our account management team, our yield management team, you know, support engineers and folks that are really interfacing and are that team, you know, as a managed service for our publishers. And it's really paid dividends. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Much like go up and, our, our business, much like yours is like, once you get that customer, you want to be able to service that customer for a lifetime if you can. Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, there's, there's a lot of value in making those investments as we've learned over the years as well with, uh, with so many customers that stay with us and whether, you know, it's a subscription or a consumption or a managed service or a set of services that follow, follow, follow each other. Those are, those are awesome investments and it's another way to differentiate, right? If you give people, hey, here's who you call, here's your named, you know, account manager, yep. I think it goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, it's just the old adage, it's a lot easier and cheaper to keep your existing customers than go get new ones. And so that's how you can keep your business growing 50% a year is yeah. people can keep adding more, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know yeah, people, people um, when I explain our business model too, because it's so recurring revenue oriented, it's like, how can you possibly grow, you know, 65% for 10 years. So it's like, yeah, keep your customers happy and then <laughs> add, add new ones every year. <laughs> right. Right. Compounds nicely that way. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's, it's wonderful. So, um, we talked about how, how, uh, what you do in digital advertising is much like cloud in the context that it, uh, uh, the, the people buying the services can, you know, buy what they need, turn it up, turn it down pay for what they consume or use or serve in, in your cases in terms of ads. Um, but cloud itself has been uh, an enabler of the platform in a lot of ways, right? Like your, your business without, oh. like your technology without cloud would be, would be very difficult to deliver. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the business scaled from a hundred grand in 2015 to 37 million in 2018, another, you know, over 50% growth and gunning for a hundred million this year. I mean, it's pretty wild to think you can go from 100,000 to 100 million on sort of the same technology platform. And that's what cloud lets you do. It's infinitely scalable. Um, you guys have been great partners and help us honestly control costs throughout things. I've appreciated that your team is not trying to squeeze out every nickel every month. It's taking the long game of, you know, let's engineer this way. If you guys thought about this or some, um, you know, uh, if you did a different term on the deal, it can save you X percentage here. Or, you know, you guys have been very consultative and helpful as a company. And, that's what we're looking for in a partner because that's a partner we want to be for people. And, we want yeah. to align with and that's probably how you, how you treat your own customers. That's how you think of them. You're not trying to maximize today's dollars. Like if they're not utilizing something, not doing something optimally, right. And they're paying more. That's not good for the long-term uh, uh, validity and the success of your end customer. So like much like us, you need your end customers to be successful, profitable and growing. For sure. And new revenue with them increases over time. So I think that instead of alignment, if you're understand this business model of consumption and, and services, then that seems that seems natural and, and obvious. That's the that's the right way to do it for sure. Uh, yeah, I was speaking with somebody about this the other day, but I mean as you're thinking about more for a startup crowd, but when you're thinking about your business model, anything you can do to really align yourself 
to be kind of sitting on the same side of the table as your customer, the better. I mean, whether it's a pricing model or something like this or doing the little things of maybe taking the short-term decrease in revenue, but knowing that you extend your lifetime value by even an extra month, you probably made a hell of a lot more in that one extra month of the deal than you did by trying to nickel and dime somebody right now. And yeah. keep that in mind that this is, it is a long game. <laughs> and, and there's going to be bumps in the road and pivots and everything yeah. along the way. But if you kind of stay focused on the customer service side of things and being exceptional um, along the way, you're going to have happy customers. With regard to Google Cloud specifically, I know that the decision was made before before you got there, but I'm sure there's some context there. And we just had our QBR uh, yeah. with you, and, and and you and I joined just to just to align and this how this podcast actually got scheduled. But um, you know, we're seeing a lot in, in media and ad tech in terms of um, the engineering teams, the product teams choosing Google Cloud specifically. Um, What's the context you think of why you know why you've chosen a platform and you continue to grow with with Google Cloud versus something else? Um, like you said, I wasn't here when the, the specific decision was made, but in both my personal life and professionally, I've had a very good relationship with Google products. Um, you know, they're obviously huge in the advertising space. They have certainly the industry leading um, ad server from that standpoint. They've got the biggest sort of DSP from a demand side. And everything works fairly seamlessly. Uh, we have had no issues whatsoever from I don't know, it's uptime or any issues from that standpoint. I think there's a pretty impeccable track record there. Um, I think there's been flexibility, whether it's pricing or things, to build the relationship the right way. And, and we've seen that in a lot of facets of their business. I know they get a bad rap and everybody's up in arms that they should be taken apart. But in all honesty, it's really impressive what they've been able to do in a lot of different spaces, whether it's G Suite, mm -hmm. which we use there, or their ad server, which we use, Google Cloud Platform. Not, not that we're crazy Google fanboys, but it just happens to work really well for us. Um, and you yourself are a massive Google partner on that side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we work with them, you know, in many, many different ways across our business, and it's been mm -hmm. good. I think their Looker acquisition was a good one. Um, you know, we use Data Studio for certain things, and maybe heading down the path here with Looker as well. And I think they've. They've been smart about acquisitions over the years and layering on additional functionality. So all in all, it's a nice kind of holistic solution for us. You know, what we're seeing more and more is that uh, finally, after a couple of years under uh, Thomas Kurian and, and uh, specifically, but also Rob Enslin to some extent, like the one Google strategy, meaning Google Cloud plus other parts of Google, um, and we're seeing in some of the larger enterprise customers as well who have a, a big ad spend or a big, you know, yeah. YouTube relationship. We're finally able to construct these more holistic um, uh, partnership agreements or engagements or contracts that are pulling in other assets of, of Google. Sometimes it's technology assets. We just uh, posted a success story with this company called embodied who build a robot called moxie and they're using android you know on a on a ten dollar cpu running <laughs> tensorflow light for machine learning and you know the robot uses google's um speech to text for for the conversation piece as well sure like wow like and then you know ten, the tensorflow and android piece are like free right they're like open source <laughs> yeah. Technology yeah. Stack. Uh, the one the, the part they pay for is the, is, the, is the speed to text part. And so I'm really ha happy to see how our customers are, have, have multiple inroads into the Google value proposition 
because when I look at the uh, other cloud options, uh, there are certainly good ones there, but I think those assets that Google have are quite different than mm -hmm. the other players, and they're finally starting to uh, deliver maximum value by actually, in some cases, uh, uh, talk about them together. And if you see the yeah. big deals that were announced, whether it's like Sabre or Mayo Clinic or Activision, uh, Blizzard King, those, none of those were point solutions. Like, oh, we're just mm -hmm. gonna do a lift and shift migration or we're just doing sure. G Suite. It was like, it's a streaming thing with YouTube, with transforming travel, with Google search, with healthcare APIs. Like, it's like, it, it's it's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm excited about the industry transformation possibilities when those things do come together. Sure. It's hard to engage with Google in a holistic conversation before as an organization. Uh, things much more lived in silos, and now I think Thomas Kurian is building, you know, uh, the the, the tie-ins with Sundar to make some of these things happen, and um, it's really nice to see that, uh, you know, you have this multifaceted uh, relationship uh, from with Google that's uh, from different parts. Yeah, I mean, I think they can always continue to keep connecting the dots a little bit better, but once you're on their radar, and we've had great customer service from them in other parts of the business too, and if, if you get sort of big enough and you're on your radar, they are willing to start kind of making sure the left arm's talking to the right a little bit and knowing what's going on there, and you've, you've actually helped us connect a couple of the dots too here, and so if they can keep heading in that direction, I think they'll just become more and more of a strategic partner. I mean, everybody's a little worried about them because they are elements where they can kind of continue to take over the world, particularly yeah, in advertising, but too, right? publishers have this relationship with them too. That's like, you know, yeah. I mean, they control, they do control a lot of the ad ecosystem and yeah. you know, everybody talks about 80% of dollars go to Google, Facebook and Amazon. And that, that is true, but it's more that they flow through them. They're also paying mm -hmm. out the vast, vast majority of that, you know, the vast, vast majority, a large, large portion of that to publishers. They just mm -hmm. happen to have, the demand side platform, then, you know, the dollars get spent through their SSP. And so they control the dollar flow, but it is ending up in publishers' hands to a large extent. Yeah, I mean, years ago, you wouldn't think Facebook was a competitor in, in this space or even, you know, Amazon. Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, I you know, it's good, right? This competition's good. There's, <laughs> there's multiple large players, and I think it forces everyone to get better. Um you know, Facebook got got ahead with mobile, um, and Google had to pivot a bunch of a bunch of ways to to make sure that uh, their mobile platform is as beneficial to to publishers and and others in terms of driving driving traffic as their web you know full browser platform. Sure. So it's good. Um, I love to see even in, in the cloud space. You know, like for the same mm -hmm. reason. I mean, as a representative of kind of independent publishing, I certainly want there to be other avenues. You know, like outside of the walled gardens, you know, everything going to them, which honestly scares me a little bit about the death of the cookie going away here is they are the folks that have information. You take away cookies and all that does is put more power in, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, which I would, I think a lot of the public outcry is against big tech shouldn't know everything about me. These ads are following me around. I think they're, you know, on paper mad at Google and Facebook, but they don't realize that by getting rid of cookies, they're actually hurting independent publishers that mm. rely on the fact that they can get ads targeted to their users based on prior things. Those go away and, you know, as an industry, we'll continue to evolve and there'll be something that provides a cookie-like targeting experience, I believe. But if they just disappear tomorrow, the only people that win there are Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple. So that's yeah. a little bit of a perverse outcome given the public outcry. Yeah, no, when it's done right and ethically and securely, it actually 
significantly improves the user experience or the consumer experience. Of course, I want to see things that are relevant. I don't that I want the best deal on that, you know, that that speaks to me. Like, of course, I mean, it's a wonderful experience and my sports teams and other things mm -hmm. like, um, but, but of course, you know, it has to be done right. And I think, um, uh, you know, they, they have a role to play in, in, in policy and also in just ethics, uh, along those lines. And I think it's existentially dangerous for them not to take those things seriously. And, you know, we've seen this, um, shape itself, um, just in the Google culture overall, especially mm -hmm. in cloud where, you know, they, they, they really want customers to win at the end of the day. And, um, and they don't think short term either, which is, which is sort of nice to see, you know, in a partner. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of the classic with great power comes great responsibility um, and how you manage that. And I mean, the cookies are a good example of that where they announced two years from now, well, I guess 18 months probably from now, they're getting rid of them and proposed a solution that you know, takes a little bit away from the targeting, a little bit away from the privacy and is trying to strike the right balance. Mm -hmm. Whether their solution is the right one, I do think they're trying to nudge things in the right direction. And yeah. so we'll see where that plays out. I don't have tons and tons of uh, faith in like legislation figuring this out. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's been so well uh, implemented so far, right? Um, yeah, GDPR you in Europe and then California. If you hear any of those debates happening in Congress with yeah. the Supreme Court, you're like, oh man. It's just, it's so frustrating that people just have no idea what they're talking about trying to legislate based on I don't know, some constituency that doesn't know what it's talking about. It's a, yeah. it's an interesting thing. We could probably spend a whole podcast on that. Yeah, we, we, yeah, exactly. Like uh, private sector just has, we just have to figure it out on our own, like do the <laughs> yeah. right thing and figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. I would take it upon us. So, um, so prediction. So what does Freestar look like a year from now? Um, I think it looks like a lot more of the same, uh, our core business will continue to expand. There's so much open field in front of us, uh, particularly as, you know, really large publishers realize the benefit of outsourcing this. The technology just continues to evolve and become more complex. Complexity is honestly our friend um, yeah. and outsource it. Unfortunately, in these awful times, people are doing layoffs. And so a success fee-based managed service looks pretty darn good. Uh, you can outsource it, cut your costs, increase your revenue, you know, sort of a win-win. Yeah, we, we have. We're trying. <laughs> Putting together my dream team. That's our strategy. You know, it's like bring bring them here, you know. Um, well, but yeah, honestly, for them, though, it's, it's more rewarding for them, too. We found that. We're yeah. making lesser titles or made a more lateral move because they get to do it for 50 giant publishers versus just one. Like, it's fun and it's challenging. It's interesting. Yeah. And so it's uh, an incredible group of people that are doing it. I'm sure your your team is the same way. Um, so I think that the other thing, we're rolling our app offering out. Uh, kind of coming out of beta here in Q2 that we can provide a similar service in app. Apps are still heavily monetized the way that the web and well, mobile web and desktop were six, seven years ago where it was a waterfall. Even in the programmatic side where it went to one person, if they didn't bid above something, you sent to another person with a different floor and on down. So it's an auction where you're only letting one person in the room at its time. Hmm. Um, that's starting to change where there's more of a unified auction like header bidding did to desktop mobile web is happening in app. And we've got a mediation solution coming out here pretty soon to take care of that. And that could be just a huge, huge growth vector for our business. So I think really excited about that on one. That. We'll post it as part of this uh, podcast post. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then e-commerce, a little more just a vertical play there, but 
we've started helping out some larger e-commerce sites uh, like JCPenney came on in the fall and a couple others that can, if they do it thoughtfully, weave advertising in as almost 100% profit margin piece of their business. If you don't obviously hurt conversion rates. And so obviously in tough times, additional revenue is good. And that's an area we've been able to focus on and pretty thoughtfully help people. Sounds fantastic. Well, it's yeah. really great to speak with you today and get to know Absolutely. you, you uh, on Cloud and Clear. Um, I love the work that you're doing and I, I wish your organization continued success, not only because you're our customer, <laughs> but because I think the work you're doing is really interesting. And it's really, um, it's really a, um, it's transformational and I, and I, uh, and I love the innovative angles, like new, new approaches to old problems. And that's precisely what you're doing in media and helping out a lot of publishers and uh, ultimately enhancing the user experience for everyone. And uh, that's really great work. Uh, Kurt, it was great to meet you on Cloud and Clear. Absolutely enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Tony. And best of luck to you guys. You've been a great partner so far and uh, we've got a long and fruitful relationship ahead. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.